Shut that son of a bitch down. Now! This ain't what I signed on for. I'm not ready to die. Not for you. Everybody dies, Kelly. I'm as good a reason as any. Come on. Come on. On the Pool Scene Podcast Season 9 finale, we cover a film that says the title within the movie. Always love when they do that. <laughs> yeah, it's easy enough. I'm Kevin. I'm joined by Jim. Jim, we can't escape the pilots this season. It's a perfect season. We are in the air. We covered Top Gun, Top Gun Maverick, Deep Impact. I guess they flew shuttles. Yes, they did. Now another movie about pilots. We're just missing Iron Eagle and Flight and Sully and Pearl Harbor and a thousand other well, pilots. Pearl movies. Harbor. We're stretching it there. Yeah. That pilot movie. Well, Jim, first, how are you? Uh, you know, great. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's been a day. It's been a day. I should have ate McDonald's. If you guys checked out Super Size Me last week, thank you very much. 103 pool sceners strong now. Get ready. Get ready for the season finale. That pilot movie that says the title as dialogue is Broken Arrow, released in 1996, directed by John Woo. Maybe. Sure as hell seemed like Michael Bay. <laughs> John Woo's original two-hour cut included more character development, more violence. How much more violence could you well, do? That's more what, character that's what development? I said, because I loved the violence. This and was I'm great. like, well, how much more violence could there be? Yeah. This movie came together in an interesting way. It was written by Graham Yost, who you will remember wrote Speed. So after Speed became such a surprise hit, everyone wanted like the next thing that he wrote. Like people were like, he's got to clamoring for yes he's there's got to be gold in that pen and it was greenlit by 20th century fox as soon as travolta signed on because he was riding the big resurgence after pulp fiction oh yeah everyone wanted travolta which is how he ended up with michael phenomenon face off face off like a whole bunch of travolta for better or worse (laughs) battlefield earth yeah Somewhere out there, probably on eBay, you can get promotional sunglasses with the Broken Arrow logo on the left lens. And (laughs) I can make them right now. Since we have a pool scene wish list now, go ahead and send us those. We do need those now. That is right. Jim, tell us how much the promotional sunglasses helped convince moviegoers to see Broken Arrow by giving us box office, budget, news, number ones at time of release. WUAB Channel 43, where the news comes first. This is the 10 o'clock news. People hauled ass to the movie theaters on February 9th, 1996. They wanted their sunglasses. Yeah, they did. This was supposed to be released in December of 95. What was the hangup? They couldn't get the special effects done. Oh, for fuck's sake. Which those special what, effects the stealth, scene? stealth, it looks like a like Star Fox on Nintendo 64. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much so. The yeah, special effects caused the delay. It's pretty bad. So let's let's find out, Jim. Did did that hurt it? Help it? How'd it go? 
Well, it was a $50 million budget. So with those special effects, it would have been about $49.9 million budget. So it added about a thousand bucks to it because that special effects was not that great at all. You didn't need it. It made $150 million at the box office. Whoa. It was number one for two weeks after this. Wow, so good. it hit number one. Good. good on them. Kevin, I wanted to find some broken arrow relevance and something close to this. Actually, the date in February. On February 5th, 1958, Savannah River, Georgia, we had a broken arrow incident really? that actually happened. The B-47 was on a simulated combat mission just like this one that originated in Homestead Air Force Base. The B-47 had a mid-air collision at 3.30 a.m. with an F-86 aircraft. Oh, and here's the problem. A nuclear detonation, like they said in the movie, the thing could be in, you know, on fire. It can be in the middle of everything. It will not detonate. A nuclear detonation was not possible since the nuclear capsule was not aboard the aircraft. Unlike in Broken Arrow, those things were hot weapons. The weapon was jettisoned into the water several miles from the mouth of the Savannah River. After jettison, the B-47 landed safely. A three square mile area was searched using a ship with divers and underwater demolition team techs, just like the Nest team in Broken Arrow. Weapon was not found. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. And guess what? It wasn't John Travolta slowly walking up a mountain hill, coolly smoking a Marlboro. <laughs> now think of a movie have you ever seen a guy smoke a dart so cool? He is he is never not smoking. Was he a smoker? I don't, or was I don't he know. just posing smoking like it, fake herbal One cigarette? of my favorite things about him is is my wife watched this with me and I said, Travolta's about the most unlikely pilot because he just looks girthy. But he was this. a pilot in real life. But, yeah, but he's flown. He's like a huge flying enthusiast. I'm pretty sure he's flown and a bunch yeah. of other stuff. And yeah, so uh, it's just funny that he looks so large and girthy next to Christian Slater. When you think of these things, he likes to go above and beyond just like tom cruise and what do they have in common kevin xenu <laughs> the top three hits at blockbuster video, blockbuster video. Wow. What a difference. we got some good ones here this week kevin under siege to dark territory okay we've talked about this before on the podcast wanting to do it eventually with dana showgirls yes and senior trip no way yes no way it was number three a blockbuster video that's this awesome week in 1996 I'm surprised that ever made the top 30 blows my mind so maybe some girls have seen it it was the miyoski element yeah women love miyoski get that guy a wiki page please <laughs> It's just a picture of him. It'd be awesome. Kevin in the news. We got two computerized big hits for you. The massive internet collaboration 24 hours in cyberspace takes place. It all happened yesterday. Information from every continent beaming instantaneously into one central point where it was recorded and cataloged and marked for eventual packaging into a CD-ROM and a book and whatever else they come up with. It is marketing and entertainment to be sure. But it is also a remarkable spectacle, a small glimpse at a world being born, one that resembles nothing we have ever seen before. That's what it was called. 24 hours in cyberspace. Is that like seven minutes in heaven. I would assume, you know, some ASL was asked jerking off or something because it lasted 24 hours. It's okay. probably an instant messenger chat room. IBM computer Deep Blue becomes the first computer to win a game of chess against a reigning human champion, Gary Kasparov. Remember there for a while there around this time where they had fucking Deep Blue on Jeopardy yeah. and all this shit. Beat the computer, beat the computer, whatever. You know who could never beat a computer, but he beat our hearts with a drumstick. Kurt Loader, what is up? Oh. 
I'm Kurt Loder with an MTV News Brief. Kevin, I know you're a big fan of this British boy band. Take That officially announces that they are disbanding, prompting the UK government to set up counseling phone lines. Wait. Let me just say thanks for everybody's support in the last five years. You've been absolutely fantastic to us. But um, unfortunately, the rumors are true. Um, How Deep Is Your Love is going to be our last single together. And the greatest hit is going to be our last album. And from today, there's no more. People took it so bad that they had counselors. That was the Robbie Williams one? That was Robbie Williams, Gary Barlow. Okay. That was their big boy band. Wow. And How come we didn't get counseling? I don't know. BTS just took a hi- hiatus. Did they take a hiatus? Yeah, because they're all working on solo projects, all 29 of them. Great. Who's who? I couldn't name them out of a lineup if you paid me. But the UK government looking after their people like, listen, we'll always take you back for good. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I had to. 38th Grammy Awards. Alanis Morissette wins with Jagged Little Pill. Great album. Almost every song on that album was like a single. It was a banger. It was a great one. Off to sports, George. Good evening, everybody. I'm George Michael. Welcome to The Sports Machine. Kevin, we've referenced his tremendous acting in Rocky Five. Tommy the Machine Gun, in real life, known as Tommy the Duke Morrison, announces that he did contract HIV. Once we got back here, then we obviously had the test done, and we just found out earlier today that uh, uh, the results of those tests did, in fact, confirm that uh, I, I have tested positive for that virus. I remember, I believe he continued to box for a little bit after still. Is he one of the people who... He died. Yeah, he did die. But was it of AIDS? I don't know. I think it was complications due to AIDS. Okay. Bill Belichick is fired as head coach of the Cleveland Browns. So we're in this this MTV thing, and for a second, that was like a, a My Deep Blue version of Does Not Compute because I thought Bill Bellamy is who you're talking about. I was like, wait a minute, Bill Bellamy. If Bill Bellamy was the head coach of the Cleveland Browns, holy shit, that would have been awesome. How is that not a movie? And then subsequently, the NFL in Cleveland allows that piece of shit Art Modell to move the franchise to Baltimore. But listen, Art, you can't take the name. It's Stain in Cleveland. Could you imagine them being called the Baltimore Browns? No. No, I couldn't no. Imagine, but I wouldn't have minded a, a brand new change, brand new, better stadium, and a new team name. I would have been problem with that well, at all. New stadium is going to happen because yeah, but it's already be publicly funded. I guess. Well, they're going to make so much money off selling that lakefront. So they're yeah, because pro- they closed the airport, right? Yeah, uh, I don't know if they closed it, but they're developing that whole uh, lakeshore. Yeah, so they're going to start building wherever they decide on another stadium. They say they're investing in this a tangent, but they say they're investigating putting a roof on the current stadium. But I think ultimately, what's going to happen? They're going to find a location in another part of town. They're going to start building the stadium so that when they move out of the current stadium on day one, they move into the new one. They demolish the current one and sell those for a apartments or Best business, way to, whatever stadium is atrocious. It's it, an ode to concrete. Yeah. That's it, all it is because of art model. He's yeah. a, it's another thing to fucking piss on his grave for because exactly. when he took the team, we had to, and we got it back. It was unexpected. So they had to build a stadium on short notice. Yeah. And when they built the stadium on short notice, you don't get to design from scratch and go over all the plans. You have to use an existing blueprint and it's literally just an ode to concrete. They should have just kept the Muni and the NFL shouldn't have had a problem with them playing in the Muni until a new stadium yeah. was built. Yep. Earn it, people. Earn it. 
Kevin, we have to do our TG Mav update. Kevin, it is finally eclipsed $1 billion. It's currently sitting at $1.1 billion for wow. Top Gun Maverick. And we're coming up on 4th of July weekend, and maybe that'll get the one and a half. And then I think in the next couple of weeks, we can trail it off and give it a final number like we did with the Moonfall. The number one movie in America, Black Sheep, Chris Farley, David okay. Spade, which I don't think gets enough credit. It doesn't. I think it's fucking great. I it's love awesome. it. It's awesome. Yeah, I, I like that better than Tommy Boy. I was going to say the same thing, too, but I thought that would have been too controversial no, everybody to say. always loves Tommy Boy, but Black Sheep, you know, you get the political twist. You got, you know, Colonel Drake Savage. I was going to say you have Gary Busey is Colonel Drake Savage. It pisses on everything. And then you have uh, Mud Honeys in it, I yep. think. Rock the vote. One person who had nothing to do with Sergeant Drake Savage, the number one song in America, Mariah Carey, Boys to Men, One Sweet Day. All right. One of the ultimate bangers that went on to be like the number one song for many weeks running. And then who knows what ended up taking that. But One Sweet Day was one of those memorable songs of the 1990s. That's all that was going on February of 1996. So you're talking about Deep Blue. That one guy had like a shark's fin. Works for Google. Claims that Google's AI tool is now sentient. Great Skynet. And but then when you look into this guy's background, he's like some weirdo religious pastor. Oh great! Just and it's probably need. like a publicity stunt, or it's like against his religious beliefs oh, because sh- it can answer whatever. a math question or something. Great. Probably thinks a calculator sentient. All right, let's explode into the plot. Two United States Air Force pilots, Major Vic Deke Deacons. What a great name. And Captain Riley Hale are on a secret mission testing a new bomber. During the test flight, Deke attacks Hale and ejects him from the bomber. So random. He is very random. He then releases two nuclear bombs and they like parachute down to safety and he ejects himself before the plane crashes, which I've got to assume is a billion dollar plane or Didn't more. Didn't they say it was a $2 billion plane there or something like that? So before the plane crashes, he sends a message that Hale has lost it. This is Deacon! Hale's lost it! I'm punching out! But they were confused what he meant for like half the movie. Yeah, they were. An Air Force rescue team is sent out to recover the nuclear bombs but are ambushed by gunmen who are working for Deke. Maybe the son of a bitch is dead. What a terrible thing to say. Get him. You assured me everything would go smoothly. Everything is going smoothly, I assure you. Our merchandise is not where it's supposed to be. It's right down there, Mr. Pritchett. Everything's on schedule. Including one of their own named Kelly, who is also working for Deke. He's like the mole. Deacon's plan is to extort the government for money with the threat of detonation of the bombs in a populated area. $250 million by 1400 Utah time. This deadline is not negotiable and there is no grace period. The second device is on a timer. Shortly after you receive this, the timer will be activated. At 1401, I will make a call. If I find you've complied, I will stop the timer. If you have not. 
So he's like, I'm going to blow up Denver. If you don't buy the bombs back off of me. Hale survived the ejection, but is detained by park ranger Terry Carmichael. Who the hell are you? Park ranger. Just put it down and I won't have to kill you. This isn't a standoff. I've got the gun. I never keep it loaded. Hale convinces her to help him find deacons in the nukes. At this point, we like for maybe almost an hour, we play a game of cat and mouse in the Utah desert between Hale and deacons, the bombs. You know, there's just a lot of like talking on walkie talkies and, and Humvees. Which and, is so good. Yeah. <laughs> and then John Travolta starts slow, not even slow, abruptly <laughs> enters a manic state of just batshit craziness. He's nuts. He's beyond nuts. I don't want to underscore this because it's not bad. Like, I don't undermine it by saying it's bad. It's, oh, it's great. It's great. It's just like a whole lot of like. But it comes out of nowhere. It's, yeah. Hale and Terry take out one of the bombs. They There's basically a mine or something. There's a copper mine supposedly shaft. goes 2,000 feet down. Wait till we talk about that later. Yeah. So they take the bomb 2,000 feet underground. They escape somehow before it ultimately detonates. No. The other bomb is being transported via train uh, by Deacons <laughs> to Denver. It's the fucking greatest movie I forgot about. Hale arrives via helicopter and along with Terry, it's like an old school NES beat em up. Oh, big they time. They fight their way through the train. It's like Russian attack. Yeah, they fight their way through the train, ultimately disarming the nuke and killing all the bad guys because the, the crazy performance Travolta is Deke. He basically is like, fuck it. I'm going to arm it. <laughs> He's just like, no, fuck it. I'll arm it. No, I'm not. Fuck it. I'll arm yeah. it. He arms the nuke. It's got five minutes till detonation. Even like Kelly's like, what are you doing? And then he uses her hand to arm it. Yeah. Then says, no, it's real crazy characters. John Travolta as major Vic Deke Deacons. Travolta struck up a friendship with John Woo while filming and then was conveniently cast in face off a year later. But it was Nicolas Cage and face off kind of doing the Travolta thing in this one. Hey, John, you ever check this machine out? Sit down. It's called an auditing machine. <laughs> Would you like to come Saturday night to the Celebrity Center? I feel like John Woo had Nicolas Cage on set for face off and was like, watch Broken Arrow and, and watch John's performance. Could you have put Nicolas Cage in Christian Slater's role? Yeah, but it would have been. It would have been. Think about that. Fucking though. awesome. <laughs> It's already awesome. I could it's imagine. Like a, it's almost like a party game now. Wouldn't uh, Nicolas Cage be better or worse in that role? And it's almost always better. Christian Slater's Captain Riley Hale. So this was offered to Travolta, but Travolta himself was like, no, I like the other guy better. I think it would have been better if he played both parts. <laughs> but yeah, Travolta liked the other role better and they cast Christian Slater. Samantha Mathis as U.S. Park Service Ranger Terry Carmichael. She was Nora in Pump Up the Volume with Christian Slater, which we covered. They used to date. Halle Berry was rejected for the role because producers told her there weren't black park rangers. Jeez. They straight up told her. What the fuck? There's no really? such thing as a black park ranger. Yeah, but all the shit in the movie yeah, that they did, realistic. so realistic. So Helen Hunt was offered, turned it down to do Twister. Good call. Which kind of goes back to the question, if Helen Hunt took this, who gets Twister? If Helen Hunt was Deke instead of John Travolta. <laughs> wow. That would have been sweet. <laughs> Delroy Lindo and yeah. Colonel Max Wilkins. 
Frank Whaley. Check out the big brain on Brett. He was a John Travolta in Pulp Fiction. He plays Giles Prentice. He's a weird what character. What a fucking name Giles that is. Prentice. He's a weird character because he plays kind of like the smart guy. But didn't you expect, and especially those out there who have not watched this movie in a long time or haven't watched it all, I was waiting for a heel turn from this guy. Yeah. It just never came. No, it never Because he's a perfect lackey. He like figures it out. So when he did, I said, check out the big brain on Brett, <laughs> which is one of the greatest lines ever. But he figures it out, but he's got it wrong. Yeah. Like he thinks that it's, it is Hale who has stolen these and are going to sell them back. Bob Gutton as Mr. Pritchett. Warden William Smithers from Demolition Man. And he's also the warden in Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. Hi, Miss Pritchett. John Travolta's weird accent just How, crops in. Howie Long as pararescueman Master Sergeant Kelly. You know what's weird? After this movie, Howie Long ended up doing that firefighter movie off the back of this movie. I think it was actually called like, not Firestarter, that's Drew Barrymore. But he played a fireman off the back of this movie. Because everybody's like, Howie Long, good looking, marketable action good star. Looking. You don't think Howie Long is a, a decent looking dude? He's got the square haircut. Yeah, I rocked the Howie Long back in the day. You rocked a square haircut? Yeah, I had the flat top. Okay. Hey, man, it's good fine. shit. Uh, it was called Firestorm. That's it, Firestorm. Also, uh, he was not in Earth Crisis, the hardcore band. <laughs> the straight edge hardcore band. So, Jim, uh, actor, actress gives passport performance. Does any non-lead character steal scenes? To me, it's... Samantha Mathis as Terry Carmichael, which you don't know her name is Terry Carmichael until the end of the movie. My name is Riley Hale. Terry Carmichael. Pleased to meet you. You know, you're still under arrest, Captain. Oh, yeah? I guess you better take me in. Yeah, they, her and Christian Slater do not introduce themselves until after everything happened. Of course, they fall in love in the end. And Maybe. Maybe. You don't know. It's left open. But then you find out her name's Terry. I find it amazing. Hey, yo, I'm Terry. <laughs> she looks just like Ralph Macchio. <laughs> yo, Terry. Actually, Terry from Just the Two of Us. Just one of the guys. Not just, just the, the two of us. She was in the song with Will Smith. The video was great. The thing I find amazing, and maybe this is more of a logic thing, but I'll put it in there. I've never seen a park ranger who is in charge of a massive desert that I, knows yeah. endangered soil. How did you find me? I saw your shoot. Oh, don't step on that stuff. There, on that black stuff. Jeez, it's cryptogamic soil. Very fragile. One footprint takes centuries to repair. Oh. Come on, jump. Yeah. I thought it was a mine or something. To be able to be equipped with so many skills to take down nuclear terrorists, gunfire, going covert. For some She's reason, hanging off a train. She has like a 357 Magnum yeah. because who is she killing out in the desert yeah. with a 357? In the Utah desert. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Is there a goddamn big water well, buffalo? Think Hale would have some great amount of training in order to, you know, be a captain in the Air Force and this test pilot and stuff. That he have some sort of like combat training. She kicks his ass. This is what I don't get about Christian Hale's character. There's not one time throughout this entire movie. Oh, he seems like a competent captain in the Air Force. To me, he just seems like a guy that was riding along with Travolta. I keep forgetting half the time. I'm like, oh, he is in the Air Force. So when this was written, I could be wrong. Paul Seners, correct me. Uh, send me a letter along with the broken arrow sunglasses that explains to me why I'm wrong. But 
Travolta's character is supposed to be older. And I'm pretty sure Christian Slater's character is supposed to be younger. So they're kind of supposed to be like Travolta's the, like the, the wily veteran, yes, the mentor to Hale. And, but when they cast Travolta and Slater, they kind of rewrote the roles a bit. And we get, I feel like the brunt of that rewrite is on the test flight mission before the turn. Yeah, I get that. Because he's basically telling like, are you going to be in here for life or whatever? Like, are you going to be a, a military lifer? You really love this shit, don't you? Where else can you fly a $2 billion plane 800 miles an hour, 100 feet off the ground? Well, that is a fact. That is a fact. You're in for life, huh? As long as they'll have me, aren't you? Nah, 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 nah. I don't think so. I mean, come on. I mean, you even said it yourself. I should be colonel by now. Instead, idiots like Boone become general. Boone is not such a bad guy. Oh, come on. If a thought go through his head, it'd be the quickest trip in North America. <laughs> nah. Flying doesn't mean what it used to mean to me. Not the flying, carrying the nukes. I know you, you love having the power of God at your fingertips. So a couple weeks ago, we did a pool check about fictional presidents. I thought Kurtwood Smith was the president, but he's the Secretary of Defense. The United States Air Force regrets to announce that early this morning, a C-141 heavy lift cargo plane went down over the Utah desert. The status of the crew has yet to be determined. Yada, yada, yada. Well, that's very nice bullshit, Rick. That's right. And he's not great as a Secretary of Defense, I feel like. No, he's He very... reads that press release and he's like, it's fine, until Brett from Pulp Fiction says, no, it's not fine, and explains to him why it's bad. So, yeah. Yeah, so I'll say Kurtwood Smith just to mention that he's in this, because I don't know if we'll talk about him anymore. Jim, I will go first with best scenes, and I will say Howie Long's heel turn during the nuke rescue mission. Who's ever trying to steal it? I'm afraid I can't let you do that, Chief. And why not? All clear! <laughs> it's so good! It's like... Pulls so out the gun, he's like, no. Yeah. yeah. It's just so random. And he shoots him, yeah. yeah. So they send a rescue mission to find the nukes. They know that the nukes have been abandoned They because they have tracking on them. They send a rescue yes. mission. As soon as the rescue mission locates the nukes, they are greeted with gunfire, which is like, so Deke, all his people have been like clearing the way. Like there's the dude that's camping out there and they pull up and uh, they shoot him. Shoot him and then shoot the woman. Yeah, in shoot the, through the tent. Yeah. Yeah, they shoot the woman in the tent and stuff. So, uh, yeah, anyway, the uh, so Howie Long is one of the rescue team members. It's basically like he lets the whole fight happen, and then he's like, I'm a, I'm a bad guy now. <laughs> you know, he, like, he turns the gun on, on, his, uh, on his superior. My first one, I love when Deke goes off on Mr. Pritchett. You see, Mr. Pritchett, they believe they've got an exposed core, and that changes things remarkably. Because you can't just send people out to active radiation area. I mean, that just wouldn't be right. First thing you have to do is take a picture from a satellite. Hell, that takes about an hour and a half just to change orbit. Then they got to send in a nest. That's a nuclear emergency search team. Closest one is about two hours from here. So you see, by the time they find us, we'll be gone. So relax. Who, for the longest time, I thought his name was Pritchard. Yeah. But his accent was throwing me off, but I know it is Mr. Pritchett. He decides 
to start bitching and moaning like Pritchett is the guy that's financing all of yes. this stuff. Regretfully. Regretfully, because he kind of comes to this epiphany where he's like, I don't want anything to do with this. Hang on. Four minutes to detonation. You stupid bastard. We'll all be killed. We'll be fine, Mr. Pritchett. Now, will you please keep your voice down? I'm trying to concentrate. Oh, God. How does that gunship fit into your crack strategy? I don't know what you're doing, do you? This is out of control. I must have... Hush. Hush. And then he somehow kills him with a baseball bat to his upper it's a chest. Flashlight. Well, he a hits flashlight. A, he hits him in the chest with a flashlight. But it asphyxiates him in his throat. Yeah. But he goes off and on and off and on. And it's just this struggle between I'm the financier and you're just a fucking freak show. Yeah. I don't know what's happening to you. Because I can't stress enough, pool seniors, that John Travolta doesn't just gradiently go down a slope of becoming a bad guy. He's babyface heel turn just automatically. So a good thing to mention is after he attacks Hale, he ejects. Yeah. And then the next time you see him, he's not wearing his, his Air Force uniform anymore. Yeah. He's wearing regular clothes. The slow-mo shot. The military was like, yeah, he can't wear that Air Force. Like, if he's going to be bad, yeah. he can't be wearing the Air Force shit. Well, technically, I don't even think those are really good analogs for an Air Force I think I did outfit. read that, that the patches were in the wrong place and yeah. stuff. They were modeled after either older or newer uniforms for the time or something. But, yeah, so the Air Force was like, yeah, he can't be doing the fucking nuke shit and no. be wearing the costume. I have, so not long after rescue mission, I have hail shooting the helicopter pilot and saving Terry. You have any more bullets for this thing? Yeah. We need to get out of this canyon. <gasps> we can get out up that way. Now if I could just get that bastard to hold still. I have an idea. No, wait, I didn't mean... So they're getting... I just need him to stay still. Yeah, so Deke finds out that Hale is still alive after ejecting and stuff, and he sends... It's the fucking trope of every one of these movies. He assumes everything. Yeah, yes. And it blows up in his face. Yes. So Literally. He sends a helicopter to find him, which... There's so much gunfire in this movie that's, like, misplaced. Oh, it's, like, all God. magic bullets, because, like, all this gunfire that never hits anybody... No reloads. Um, or I have a logic issue later where someone gets shot, but they're not shot anymore. Yeah, whatever. The helicopter's shooting at Hale and Terry, and they're boned. They know it. And uh, Hale borrows Terry's gun and says, I just need him to hold still. So she traverses a cliff and gets up there underneath the helicopter where the helicopter is apparently going to attack her. And somehow hail fires through the bottom of the helicopter, killing the pilot perfectly, perfectly. And then the comedy that ensues, killing the helicopter pilot. And then the helicopter propellers are heading straight for Terry. And somehow hail gets up there and rescues her right as the blade is like spinning a foot from her face. Yeah. It perfect timing. Yep. So my next one, is one of the key lines, not just in this movie, but it should be in movie history. Would you mind not shooting at the thermonuclear weapons? It's one of those maniacal lines where he could be, do you not mind shooting? It just is that perfect maniac pace that he delivers throughout this movie while, like I said, not promoting it, coolly smoking a dart. Yeah. Like the fucking I like See, I open up the podcast, he does that line like, You're out of your mind. Yeah. Ain't it cool? 
Hale tells him something like, you're fucking nuts. And he's like, yeah, ain't it cool? Like, <laughs> he's like, he makes some choices in this movie. I love it. And so. at this time, you could tell that John Travolta was completely fixated with boxing. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you that's what boxing's all about, okay? You show your opponent one thing and you do something else. That's how Ali took the title from Foreman. He beat him with a rope and dunk. Yeah, it starts off with boxing. Super weird. The big fight at the end goes back to the boxing from yeah. the beginning of the movie. Well, they said that the uh, the writer of this film incorporates Muhammad Ali rope a dope oh, thing. Yeah. Like, so he uses yep. like the rope a dope device. Yeah. In um, much of his uh, his movies and his scripts. So I have pretty much everything that happens on the train during the final sequence. Your brain presses against your skull and it feels like this. It is the greatest last forty five like minutes. It's like forty five. It's like you sit through an hour of this movie and it's it is what. It it is and it's good and then it's like 45 minutes of like i said i describe as like an nes like linear work your way through the yeah. train get to the baddies so you have the dude that gets chopped up by the helicopter blade on top of the train and then karma happens to the helicopter for chopping the dude up because after it chops him up, it runs into the, the side of the mountain <laughs> above the tunnel and it like sticks out. That's like what a, with Delroy Lindo. Yeah, and it sticks out like a Looney Tunes cartoon. You have Hale using his bare hands to rip the fuel line to Deke's getaway chopper. He manages to just use his hands to unscrew the fuel line. We're leaving now. Yes, sir. Where's Shepard? He's supposed to be here. Fight him. And then that helicopter that's on the train explodes and it blows all these dudes back off the train. Maybe the best is when Hale uses the dead body as a decoy. So he finds a dead body on top of the train <laughs> and then he just hangs it. He hangs it over the side of the train and they start shooting at yeah. it. And then he does the American Gladiators swing. Yeah, he does the uh, human cannonball. He does the human cannonball. But declares he's coming in. Yeah. What doesn't he say? Like Geronimo or something? Yeah, I don't think they would have heard him. So, but he does the American Gladiators human cannonball swing. He kicks Howie Long a thousand feet to his death. <laughs> but here's the thing. Not only does he kick Howie Long to his death, they follow him 90% yeah. of the way, which logically throw it here there because it's not part of my thing he should have landed in the water below but yeah. somehow you, you hear him hit land yeah yeah that's why what oh, so dana was like my wife was like oh he's gonna land in the water nope nope <laughs> fun fact about that though the howie long death is that the sound effect of him screaming has went on to be used several times so it originated here it originated here it's known as the howie long scream so it's oh, kind of okay. like the wilhelm scream yeah If you know from the old Western movie, there's the Wilhelm scream, which you would instantly recognize if you hear it. They use it in Star Wars. <laughs> they use it in everything. I always listen for it in action movies. I'm always like, oh, Wilhelm scream. Like I can, you know, yeah. hear it. But the Howie Long scream is the same thing. I never knew that. So they take the sound by him screaming. They, they've used it. Sound guys, I don't know. They have a boner for that sort of thing. So my next one, once again, it's the quoting. I love the quotes in this. There's a scene where they finally, they detonate one of the nukes quote unquote, 2000 miles below the surface. Yeah, sure. There's it. And then there's this nest team that has Deke, Warden William Smithers and Howie Long dead to rights, like yeah. circulating the, the Hummer. He's like, just wait, just wait. It seems like five, 10 minutes past this thing detonates. It takes the nest gunship down. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you know, crazy John Travolta. <laughs> Howie Long looks right at him and go. I say, God damn, what a rush. 
son of a bitch. Shockwave took down the damn chopper. SEMP, electromagnetic pulse. Nuclear bass sends it out for miles. Everything electronic shuts down, including choppers and radios. Hell, we just shut down McMurray's field communications. That'll, that'll put a pretty little dent in their response time, huh? Deke, you the man. I'm the man. You the man. He's like, <laughs> I'm the man. Meanwhile, Mr. Pritchett is dead in the seat. He's like, we're 10 minutes behind. Mr. Pritchett, do you mind stepping outside? And then kicks him out. Kicks him out. Yeah. So good. All right. Well, I think we uh, scratched the surface of best scenes of Broken Arrow. With that said, ah, uh, no swimming pool in this one. There's no swimming. There's, there's the water any... that Howie Long almost falls in. It, there's the secret river in the copper mine. Oh, there is a secret river there in the copper a... mine. They do go swimming. I love how there's a secret river. So... River. Oh my god. Oh my god. They they hit it. Uh, digging a tunnel. That's why they shut down the mine. Come on. They go swimming. So, but, but it is, it's time to do a pool check. So sorry, Hale. Sorry, Terry. You got to get out of the secret river. All right. For the season finale, season nine, we're doing scuttlebutt at the poolside bar. Cue the song for police Academy five. Yeah. We're going to get a little weird. We're going to cast our own action movie. It's a forbidden door. So fantasy casting, taking any star from any era. So this can be complete fantasy. You can put John Wayne with Wesley Snipes. Doesn't well, that would be a bad pairing. Yeah. (laughs) Pretty sure John Wayne would have some thoughts about Wesley. Snipes. I would think so as well. We're going to build our own movie. Basically we'll choose two action stars the team together a female lead a villain and then like a setting slash simple plot to tie it all together yes kevin go first okay my two leads dwayne the rock johnson john claude van damme what bulk a movie van damme uh do it like the doing the splits uh, so we're talking like kickboxer blood sport sport. yes like because basically i think the whole banter between them would be like the rock gets everything done with power like at some point he's got to just like put his shoulder forward and like go through a brick wall yeah and then meanwhile van damme's doing like flips and splits and like, so the banner's like finesse versus like Ooh, power. Brute strength. Exactly. I could see a scene in that movie where he does the splits, the rock hoists him yes. up and uses him like a fucking, there you go. like a spin kicker. Yeah, that's exactly. And I want it shot so that the rock is damn near colossal. Oh, I mean, he's a big yeah. guy anyway, but like I want it shot it from the bottom yes. up. So that the worst every time you see Van Damme, yeah, every time you <laughs> see Van Damme, he's like tiny next to the rock who's massive and they save each other's asses a bunch of times. So it's like the rock's using all his power and stuff. And then like Van Damme's like nimble and able to flip around and save him. And then Van Damme's like nimbleness. Yeah. You know, he's getting and rock picks up a car or something like I want it almost yeah. like borderline like superhero shit. See, I want two things. I need a Mentos Freshmaker parody within this movie mm-hmm. and I need The Rock mentioning to Van Damme. You gonna do something about that bump on your yeah, head? Yeah. The, <laughs> the Rock it. can't not do like comedy. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's gotta get his lines he in. He has that charisma. So he's gonna like make a bunch of offhand comments about Van Damme being Belgian and like he's gonna mention the lump on his head. Oh, and God, be so he's good. gonna ask him where he buys his pants because they're very weird and everything. They have to lift 
together. At the end, he makes a massive cheat meal. There There's go. an iron paradise. Oh, a hundred pancakes. He's like, you're Belgian, right? Waffles. Oh. Why do people think I know how to make waffles because I'm Belgian? You just wrote an amazing scene. I do what I can. So my two leads, I want, of course, Arnold Schwarzenegger in the heydays. I'm talking mid yeah. to late 80s. And a fairly recent guy that I think you and I fell in love with acting-wise, Glenn Powell. Yeah, that'd be cool. I think it would be an awesome dichotomy of you got a super action star. I'm talking like 86, 87, 88 Arnold with a newer guy on the scene. See, but you got to be tempted to make Glenn Powell the villain because of that that smile. Yeah. He'd make a great villain. But I also think he would have the chops to make it almost like a good old buddy comedy, yeah. like great sidekick guy. I could see that too. Glenn Powell can fucking fly shit. Schwarzenegger can blow shit up. I think it's an awesome tandem. I would go with those two. I dig it. My female lead is Michelle Yeoh. Okay. So she's every bit as important to the golden age of Hong Kong cinema as Jackie Chan, Jet Li, John, or even like John Woo. Yeah. In the late 80s and early 90s, like she was the ultimate badass. Like she, mm -hmm. I don't remember which movie it is, but she's known she does this fucking nuts motorcycle stunt where she jumps like a motorcycle, like off a bridge. Like she's insane. So I'm fine if this is like peak era Michelle Yeoh or like a little bit. Okay. Like aged. Like, and like seasoned. Yes. And we respect who she is, you know, okay. like we respect what she's done for us. Like, I think she, and, and you'll see how she ties in. Not a romantic lead. Like, it's not like she's in a love triangle between The Rock and John claude Van Damme. That'd be something. So, yeah, which that'd be an interesting. I love your waffles. <laughs> So my female lead, I'm taking 1987-88 Elizabeth Shue. Oh, yeah. We're talking Adventures in Babysitting my and Cocktail. Cocktail, yeah. Like, just mouth. Check out our Friends podcast, the Midnight Movie, Movie Night, Night podcast. Oh, yeah. They're doing Cocktail. Oh. So you can hear their thoughts. Yes. On uh, her side move. Cocktail, one of our favorite movies. I love Adventures. Coughlin's Law. Yes. I love Adventures in Babysitting. She proved in that movie that she could also be a badass, even if she's a babysitter, that don't fuck with the babysitter sitter line yeah it looks like she could also not she's not a damsel in distress you could give her a gun and yeah. she'll start fucking yeah. blowing shit up and be hot at the same time yep. which is great yep good old best shoe all right so my villain's an interesting one because he's someone who would never do it he would never be a villain fred rogers before there that's a great one before there was vin diesel and the rock sylvester stallone and schwarzenegger wanted to do a movie together but there were too many concessions to be made about who would win and that they oh, couldn't Christ. look weak the point where no studio would touch it because they're like, this is going to be such a hassle. Very diva. So I would make Sylvester Stallone my villain. With that said, he would have never agreed. He would have been a fucking awesome villain. Yeah. Imagine like early 90s Stallone as the crime boss, the head of like a crime syndicate. Imagine him as Simon Phoenix in Demolition Man. He would have been awesome, yeah. but he wouldn't do it because he always... He's Hulk Hogan. I think he, yes, he's Hulk Hogan. He set the precedent for like Vin Diesel to be like, I control every facet of how my character's presented. I can't be bad. I'm Rocky. Yeah, so exactly. So he played all these roles where he just would not. Like, I'm surprised, like, he lost one fall and over the top because, you know, he had. But <laughs> imagine he loses that first fall to Bull Hurley, pulls out a gun, shoots him. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. whoa, this got real. Starts the crime syndicate. He kills Robert Lowe. Uh, a cheat because we, we didn't allow for this, but his henchmen, he would have had a whole, whole bunch of henchmen. Don the Dragon. Wilson, Cynthia Rothrock. Oh, 
along with at Sly's side. No Bolo. And sure, Bolo could be in <laughs> yeah. it. I mean, since Van Damme is, and hell, I mean, any of these guys that are in all of these movies, yeah. like what's his name? Tex Cobb. Randall oh, Tex Randall Cobb. Tex Cobb. He could be in it. Give him, put them all. Put them all yeah. in Stallone's crime syndicate. I just think him as a villain, and like maybe you even do like the um, Inspector Gadget where you see him from the back or you see his hand. Maybe he's got like a metal hand or something and you just see from behind his chair. Yeah. You hear the voice so you know it's him but uh, it's like maybe like half the movie before the, the camera reveal. turns around and you see Stallone <sighs> and you gotta dress him up with some shit. He's oh, gotta yeah. have some junk on his face. Yeah. A glass eye. Yeah, a fucking scar. Or a scar. Or he's gotta wear like some pinstripe suit. He's gotta look like one of the cops versus robbers from the cartoon. Okay. Like, He's got to look like a real asshole. Yeah, I could see that. He kind of dressed like that in Oscar, I think. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think he was a, was he a mobster in Oscar? Yeah. I might be wrong. Yeah, he's got to look like. Very Dick Tracy. Dick Tracy villain, yeah. So you kind of see the type of movie I'm putting yeah. together. So my villain, it's kind of a tour villain. So you have the veteran villain and then the villain that wants to be like his boss. Right off the bat, one of the best villains of all time, Alan Rickman. Right. And then the person under him who's been behind him for years, but wants to be better than his boss, Jason Statham. Perfect. And this will tie when we get into the plot. It'll make perfect sense. Rickman, I mean, Die Hard. Yeah. When you think of villains, you think of Hans Gruber. Yep. He's intelligent. He's manipulative. He can get what he wants, and he'll get the job done. Statham, use your muscle. He'll kick the shit out of you. And then he has that charm on top of it yep. where he could seduce somebody and get whatever he wants. So it's a perfect hand. Okay, setting and plot. So very important part of my story. You're, you're kind of seeing what I'm building. So yes. you've got the relationship between The Rock and Van Damme, a little bit of comedy. Michelle oh, yeah. Yeoh. You've got the Stallone as like the campy like crime boss. This takes place in the future. How far? So a year, a month. Okay. It doesn't it's an, matter. Un, it's an undisclosed future. There's a catastrophic event and the world's governments, like maybe now they either cooperate, maybe they've fallen completely. So, right. but whatever's happened, it has allowed Stallone to basically take over. You don't necessarily have to say it, but it's like Hong Kong. Okay. Like he is complete. He now runs Hong, Hong Kong. Kong. JCVD and The Rock like are sent to clean it up. They're part of some agency, some black ops, and they're sent in. Now their liaison is Michelle Yeoh because she's from there. Perfect. So she is there already. She knows the terrain. She the is deal. their rendezvous. So they meet up with her. She serves as their guide. So basically and then I'll get into more because we have the, the key action sequence or stunt. So, Jim, go ahead and tell us your setting and your plot. This is what we're going to do. It takes place in the Swiss Alps. Could be present day. That's fine. You got Schwarzenegger. You got Glenn Powell. Elizabeth Shue is the niece of Arnold Schwarzenegger. She's in love with Glenn Powell. Oh, yeah. So you great. have that. You know, it's typical, but you have that dichotomy. Now, Alan Rickman, Jason Statham take control of a satellite in orbit. There is enhanced solar flare activity that's going to disrupt the planet, but they want to take it to another level. Rickman somehow coerces somebody within the government to harness the solar flare that is erupting, is going to be coming off the sun. They're going to use the satellite to harness it, and they're going to hold DC for hostage. Oh, yeah. They have 
the president not knowing what to do, like give some sort of ridiculous amount, like one trillion dollars. I don't know what the fuck that accent was, but it just came out. Something ridiculous that you know it's going to backfire. Meanwhile, Schwarzenegger is not fond of the fact that his niece is falling in love with his partner. Yeah. There's that constant, I, ah, I want to do it. Stop kissing my niece. Stop kissing the, you know, my niece. I need to put your ass away. You know, stuff like that. So you have this dichotomy to the point it looks like they're done. They're going to go their separate ways. But then this whole thing crops up. When you find out it's Alan Rickman, of course, him and Schwarzenegger have a past. Oh, and, and then somehow Glenn Powell gets his ass kicked by Jason Statham. And oh, God, Kevin, Elizabeth Shue gets taken hostage. Oh, no, what would we do? And then it goes from there. And they have to stop it and save the girl. Love it. Awesome. Key action sequence or stunt. Ooh. So in Assault on Precinct 13 and The Raid, and there's a couple others. Oh, great ones. They have to fight their way to the top of like a huge building. You started, it's it's such a great, simple yep. thing, but it's awesome to think like, I got to fight my way through this house of horrors all the way to get to the top, to the boss. But I'm going to flip that on its head. I'm going to flip it literally. Our main baddie, Sylvester Stallone, has built a deep underground lair. Nice. Going straight down. Okay. So basically, they don't know this. They don't have the recon. So they arrive knowing either following them or Michelle Yeoh gives them the heads up that they have to go into this underground lair. What they don't realize is it's like a thousand feet down into this, you know, deep underground lair. Now, the interesting part is I think Stallone escapes setting up a sequel to take place somewhere else in the world. Yeah, so I like that. They fight him, and I, it's a two-on-one fight, so Stallone's got the face junk. He's probably got a metal hand or something. <laughs> Every time you say junk, like face junk, I think of Carlos Tevez's neck. <laughs> there you go. So he's, he's you know, but he's almost like super-powered in a way. Yeah. Think like uh, Idris Elba in Hobbs and Shaw. Perfect. Something like that. So Stallone manages to fight them off, escape, and then our movie kind of ends. They shut down the criminal operation in Hong Kong or wherever it is unnamed but then Stallone he's gonna go elsewhere and maybe the second one takes place in Utah <laughs> two so my key action stunt sequence okay the sun is about ready to fire the solar flare and it's got to be harnessed by the satellite. So we have to figure out a way to intercept that satellite to stop it from launching against Washington, D.C. Unlike Moonfall, they're not going to take a shuttle out of a museum. So there's Why? no shuttles. Can't do it. Fuck the moon. Fuck not going to do it. The logical thing that Schwarzenegger and Glenn Powell decide that they have to do is we're going to have to take a SpaceX flight. So they head to SpaceX. Of course, Elon Musk has an issue with it. Schwarzenegger decks Elon oh, Musk. Yeah. Knocks them the fuck out. They board, and then all of a sudden... Tweet about that. Yeah, tweet about that, asshole. Right before they're about ready to launch, Schwarzenegger pushes out Glenn Powell. He does the Bruce Willis and Armageddon type thing. I'm going to oh, take care of this. Okay. The rocket launches, headed inbound towards the satellite, and you see the longest, like, 10 minutes of your life that keeps kicking down. You know, it takes forever. There's other action sequences that happen before that. Glenn Powell's upset. Why? I could do this. Why? Meanwhile, Schwarzenegger's heading into orbit. Elizabeth Shue is like wrapped around the Washington Monument. Like she's dead to rights. She's being watched by Statham. Like she's going to die. Everybody's going to die. So right before the satellite is about to launch, we have the we win Gracie moment. Schwarzenegger aims it right towards the satellite. Boom. Stops satellite. Stops Rickman in his track. You're thinking Schwarzenegger's dead right. You know, daughter's crying. Glenn Powell, you know, holds her. Honey, what your father did was amazing. The president thanks Glenn Powell and they honor Arnold Schwarzenegger. Ah. Ah, 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 ah. 
not in Arnold Schwarzenegger's world. Schwarzenegger never dies. Schwarzenegger, he gets out of the rocket somehow, and he finds his way to the International Space Station, and he gets aboard the International Space Station, and there was some sort of like communication disruption. As the president is about to eulogize him, Schwarzenegger's like, I'm here, I'm still alive, I love you. Amazing. So it's the most craziest, bonkers ending, but that is the sequence, and it's one happy family. I, not to get I love it. Yeah, I hate to write your movie for you, but it's got to end with the wedding. Yes, that's it's what I said. It's got to end with yeah. Gunpal marrying Elizabeth Shue with Schwarzenegger. It's like the best man. Yeah. Or the fun they're giving yes. away. Yeah, yeah. something. It's, yeah. it's awesome. Don't touch my knees. No, don't. All right, let's get back in the secret pool. That was pretty fun. Secret pool, man! Yeah! Say secret puma. Secret pool mine. We're going to a concert this weekend. Who do you see? It's Secret Puma. Secret Puma. Oh, their yeah. last album was great. We talked about team ups in our yeah. pool check. This movie teams up the unlikely pairing of Travolta and Slater, Slater. that everyone always wanted. Because you've been passed over for promotion so many times, you want to show the bastard you're right. No, maybe it's uh, maybe it's because everybody's cashing out. So why the hell not you? I don't know. Maybe maybe your mother dropped you on your head when you were a baby. I mean, who the hell cares, Deke? I mean, there's no difference between you and a guy who shoots up a schoolyard. You both got a uh, head full of bad wiring. What was that? You're fucked in the head, Deke! Ah! I pissed him off. So, Jim, what's your favorite team-up? Is it peanut butter and jelly? Whoa! Macaroni and cheese? Cheese and burger? Suit and tie? Rock and roll? <laughs> The pool seniors are dying to know. Holy shit, man. That's deep. Best team up ever. It could be like a movie. It could be It'd food. Be fucking anything. Holy shit. Socks and shoes. I think the best team up combination for me, and it's so me, ketchup and mustard on a hot dog. Okay, there it's you go. It's the hot best. Hot dog in a bun? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Give me five. Mine's probably not even a traditional team up, but it's it's beer and wings. Like that's Americana. For oh me. yeah, beer and wings. Yeah, love chicken wings, love beer. I couldn't think of like that's your Riggs and Murtaugh. Yeah, mashed potatoes and gravy. I kept going to the food, but Riggs and Murtaugh is a great see, one. See, I hate gravy. You hate gravy. I hate gravy. I detest it. I want if I'm having mashed potatoes, I use it with ketchup. Even like biscuits and gravy, like nope. sausage gravy. Never like gravy. Just never liked it. Not my right, thing. Fair. I'm not mad at it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. So pool seniors, please tell us what your Oh, speaking of mashed potatoes, mashed potatoes and corn. Okay. Mash that together. All right. So tell us your favorite team ups. What what are they? That guy on our wall with the blazer. Yeah. That's his Rick, favorite team. Rick, Rick and the Browns blazer. Rick and the Browns blazer. Some other ones, some major ones we're missing. I have a segue, Kevin, for you. Best team up ever. Marky Mark and a big pen. There you go. It all could have been different, Mr. Walker. You should have allowed nature to take its course. He could have played Riley Hale. Oh, how great would that be? What the fuck's wrong with you, man? You're just going crazy all of a sudden? Come on. <laughs> Put the nukes away, man. We don't have to do this. Terry, I got these nukes. Hey, the, Mr. Pritchard, I love you. So the reason we summoned David McCall is because Air Force Captain David McCall uh, yes. is because we were going to discuss logic. Uh, and it all could have been different if they would have made different choices with this movie. So I got a decent amount of logic. I'll, I'll start and say the nukes would have gone off like 59 times. Oh, my God. <laughs> Everything they do in this movie is dumb. I don't care how much explaining they do to me, give to me. We're inside mine tunnels. Let's detonate. Let's throw some grenades at the thing. Yeah. Like there are so many bad decisions made, but somehow the nukes, I guess, based on what they're telling us is true. They never detonate. So if we're going to start with the actual mine itself, I'm going to go right with it. I got a crux of the mine here. First off, why would Hale 
tell Deke what he's going to do with the nukes over the walkie-talkie. Pick up! Come on, buddy. Pick up the phone. Buddy? Huh? Son of a bitch tried to kill me. Friendship is over. Well, that doesn't mean I don't like you. Hell, I'm impressed. I figured you'd have packed up and walked off by now. Yeah, well, you figured wrong. Now I get the nukes. Guess what, Deke? I'm going to deactivate them. Yeah. Hey, I'm going to take well, these 2,000 miles down. That's uh, how Brett knows, right? That yeah. It's not that it's Deke and not Hale. Yeah. Because, you know, Apollo Creed's trainer says. Yeah, Delroy Lindo. Delroy Lindo says, it ain't Hale, it's Deke, or whatever tells him. But the funny thing is, though. There's a whole gap of the movie in which you would think they would start turning their eyes to Hale and go, hey, yeah. we got to figure out about Hale, what went wrong. No, it's just all of a sudden, oh, it's not Hale. Oh, it's yeah. Deke. Yeah, okay, it's, perfect it's, sense. It's kind of a letdown that you don't get the moment where, like, maybe that two-hour cut yeah. actually shows, like, they track Hale down and then they find out it's, it's not Hale. And the thing is, so maybe in that two-hour cut, too, they can explain how Deke just went off the fucking rails so quickly. Yeah. So within that mine, what I also don't get, big one, you know he's on your ass. You know he's headed towards the mine. He said he's coming. Why did you think you could go 2,000 feet down, unload two nuclear weapons, get back on the lift, go 2,000 feet up, get in a car, and leave before Deke gets there? That was their plan. Yeah, and they had like... <laughs> Two, two minutes or something. That elevator is not going 50 miles well, an hour. I'm, I'm pretty sure I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that they had to go back up to yes. get to the river. Yes. So somehow the river is what? like suspended. This is, I don't understand this mythical mine. No, they're able to go below the river and but through they the go woods. back up, up to the river. So after the nuke is detonated underground, Hale keeps telling Terry there's, she's very scared and he's like, there's no radiation escape. Oh my God, we set off a nuclear bomb. It's okay though. The wall shielded the blast. None of the radiation leaked. Uh, All right. Look at my hands. Why are they shaking like that? Because they're cold. The water was freezing. That's not normal. No, it's okay. It's okay. We're just cold. Just need to get warm, okay? All right? Hey, look. See the uh, the butterflies there? Now, if there was radiation around, they wouldn't be able to survive. Now, would they? But there's a visible fireball. So if fire could escape. I'm pretty sure that fireball was there, filled with radiation. Kevin, there's butterflies. There's no radiation. Yeah, well, right. That's yeah. what he tells her that uh, it's in the manual. Yeah. If you see butterflies, there's no radiation. But I'm pretty sure there's probably radiation. Maybe there's a scientific explanation where they're like downwind enough or something. So I have one here, too. And I brought it up briefly before in best scenes. Why wouldn't the nest gunship just land and apprehend Deke? It just floated around yeah, forever. Right. Got, they got three sets of machine guns on that and a turret gun. Light him the fuck up. Yeah. What are we doing? You've already established it. The nuke will not detonate in fire or any other. It needs to literally physically be armed. Yeah. They just waited, waited, waited. Yeah. All of a sudden, the underground nuke detonates, and then the helicopter There's crashes. like an EMP, but also logic. If it was detonated underground, there'd be no be, EMP. Be no EMP. My, my favorite piece of logic from this movie, and correct me if I'm wrong, Jim, he's selling the nukes for 5% of Volvo. So how much he asked for? Lots. I got a broker in Stockholm that's going to buy me 5% of Volvo. And for the rest of my years, I'm going to live off the dividends, happy in the knowledge that I'm helping to make the safest automobiles in the world. 
I have. That's my number one. He brings it up so nonchalantly that I'm like, wait a minute. Is that real? So that's so fake. So he's going to move somewhere and make sure people have safe automobiles. It's got to be fake. But the way it's delivered, we're meant to think that he's just going to be a silent partner in Volvo. He's going to get 5% of Volvo. What the fuck? Like who thought John Woo thought Volvo was fun? I don't get it. I I have no idea. It's just a random idea because it's like at some other point, what's he asked for? 250 million dollars yeah. or something but it's like so wait a minute so is five percent of volvo 250 million dollars <laughs> i mean they had a hell of a business evaluation he wants to end up in stockholm but yeah he wants to go to stockholm known five percent of volvo and i'm like wait that's a that's a lot like there's a lot, a lot of but he's so bad shit he's probably telling the yeah, truth he's probably serious and then i wonder how he would have felt you know if he would have got away with it invested five percent in volvo and then wrote it out oh my god i just had a thought when they're in the stealth fighter, Hale asks him, do you want to be here for the rest of your life? What happened if he just threw a line and he's like, actually, I'm a big fan of Volvo <laughs> and I want to invest and get out. I hear the market's getting good for Volvos. Just like, what the Does fuck? Volvo still exist? I think so. I, I mean, think. this might have been a real. Yeah. You know, maybe, maybe later on he would have moved his money into fucking. Sob. Yes. And then there he ate go. the shit when GM went belly yeah, up almost. Yeah. Saturn. He just moved yeah. it around. And that Pontiac <laughs> is looking good. Fuck. He's going to bring back Yugos. Then he bought NFTs of yeah. Volvos. Uh, Scientology NFTs of Volvos. There you go. <laughs> Why are they boxing in like an arena? I don't know. It's not like some little boxing gym. No. Like somehow they have a hundred people around the ring and they're in like a Las Vegas. They're in like the MGM Grand Garden <laughs> Arena. Just they have a box. It's so guys. Nuts. We have ten minutes before Holyfield Tyson. We need to get in there. And it's just super weird. It's very strange that they're boxing and they're talking the whole time. And if you've ever tried to box, it sucks the wind out of you pretty good. Yeah, they're not a lot of talking. But Travolta also is telegraphing his punches, but then not throwing those punches. So no. I don't know if that's just like a that's when the rope dope is brought a up script mistake. Yeah, or whatever. So absolute extreme intelligence failure in this movie is beyond me. Like you brought it up earlier. Why are are there two nukes on a test flight? I have no idea. Like why in the right mind? If anything, if you're doing a test, flight, put dummies on there? Like yeah. not real nukes. No. And then how do you not know? It seems to me like during the scene where we have Kurt Wood Smith and they're saying, we're just going to say that it was a C-137 yeah. that crashed. How the hell do you not know until, which seems like a ridiculously long time that it's a broken arrow event. Yeah. What the fuck? You should know this. So I don't think that they wanted to reveal that Deke was the bad guy quite yet, but why couldn't have they just explained yeah. that he swapped the fake five minute scene, fake nukes or the fake, you know, whatever they were arming on the test flight with real nukes, like how he long did it. And he, yeah, he had inside guys this whole time. So like, and, and by the way, we didn't mention it. The scene when Travolta, meets his superior before they go on the test flight. General? General? Major, were you recently promoted past me? No, sir. Then why are you smoking in my briefing room? Ah, sorry about that, sir. That'll never happen again. Yeah. And he's like, what is your rank, sir? Because he's smoking. If you've ever seen a guy use a sideways peace sign to smoke a dart. It's great. And in that scene, what you could have done is revealed that Frank Whaley's character, what is his name? Like Dismond Chasman. What is his name? Dismond Chasman. That's that's it. It's that funny name. It's Dismond Chasman. (laughs) I can't remember. It's Giles Prentice. Giles Prentice. In that whole scenario, you could have proved that he was the mole on the inside. There you go. And then he arranged, you know, 
they were, it's the rope-a-dope. They're, yeah. they're setting them up to watch one thing and they're doing another. Another thing about the, the test flight scene is, is you'd mentioned it earlier and it's not really good for an audio medium, but it's like 14 and a half minutes into the movie, right before Deacon's attacks hail. They do this like, is it a zoom or like a, just a real tight shot of literally Travolta's face filling the screen. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, like, there's really no setup for him to flip. Nope. It's just like, Hale asks him a question. We see a super tight shot of Travolta's face. Yeah. We come out of the tight shot. And he goes psycho. And here's another thing about that fight. It takes two seconds. Pull off your fucking seatbelt or something and yeah. start kicking ass. I mean, this is sort of like a pilot movie thing. Flight masks. They seem to like willy nilly put them on and take them off. And they're like, what? A hundred feet yeah, off they're the like deck? Two, yeah, they have to be like 200 feet. You're not 60,000 feet no, in the air. No, it's real weird. Because then it's like as soon as they hit their, their mark, he takes it off. And it's like, well, how can you take it off? He's now? not in Dark Star. Yeah. The $20 thing we didn't discuss. Uh, they bet $20 at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. And it's like this reoccurring motif Running gag through the movie. You could have shut me down, but you blinked. Hmm? Yeah, well, we're only sparring, buddy. Thinking like that is exactly why you lost. Now take this. It's yours. No, 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 no. Take it. If you didn't give it everything you've got, then I don't want it. Go ahead. You don't understand. You see, it really is yours. I took it out of your wallet while you were in the shower. Hale leaves the 20 bucks in the middle of the desert under a rock. I hope it's still there. He didn't have to physically leave the money. It could have just been metaphorical. Yeah. He could have said, oh, 20 bucks. No, he literally takes out 20 bucks and leaves it in the middle of the desert. And then at the end, they find a burnt $20 yeah. bill after the train wreckage in a tree. It's like, come yeah, on, it's man. Real, real dumb. We Not get necessary. it. When Hale first meets up with Delroy Lindo, when he finally gets returned. Yeah. And they're in this, I, I don't know what it is. They're in this little store and they're talking about. Delroy Lindo's like, I'm supposed to return you to McMullen. I'm not supposed to let you go, but he's going to disobey orders. What about the girl? What about her? What about her? She's an innocent victim in all this. I got her involved. Now, when you guys find that truck, you're going to hit it with everything you've got. I don't want her becoming a casualty. Look, maybe giving her up is okay with you, but uh, we're military officers. We took an oath. One officer to another. We have responsibility to save that woman's life and get back the weapon. And I have a responsibility to follow my orders and return you to McMurrin. Now, do you understand what orders are, Captain? Yes, sir, I do. Because I'm about to break them. During that scene, there is a t-shirt in the background that just says, Shut up, fish. <laughs> it's in bold letters, like Frankie says, relax. Yeah. It's, it says, shut up. up. Fish. Fish. I have no idea what that's about, but right. I, I couldn't pay attention to this scene because I'm I'm too busy. Is that some sort of Shawshank reference when they're in a prison? Shut up, fish. Yeah. Hale shoots Deke in the arm. So when Hale, oh, yeah. when Hale shows up in the helicopter, God. they're firing and he hits Deke in the arm. Yeah. But then that bullet wound, does it not seem to just go away and disappear? He's a Terminator. Because the final sparring session, they're boxing. Like they open the movie, the boxing scene, they end up with like a fist fight at the end. He's throwing punches with his dominant arm, which he's been shot in, but that bullet wound's kind of just gone. But he takes that shot arm and closes the door of a train that already has open slots in that train where they could just aim their gun no in sense. willy nilly. Makes no sense. It's like, it's like hiding from gunfire behind a picket fence. Yeah. No sense. And then one of the best end scenes is the big train crash. Somehow the train keeps momentum because oh, yeah. it stays 
at speed after it's been uncoupled from the caboose. Which, way to go, Park Ranger, for uh, unattaching the train. She's fucking James Bond. Yeah, it's awesome. She's like laying under the train. She's just swinging around. She manages to detach it. Nuts. But it's the fact that she uncouples it. It maintains full speed. The one that's totally in charge and it's powered abruptly hits the brakes. It collides and somehow... Deke gets killed by the nuclear weapon Love by it. spearing him. And then you just see him slow-mo shot of him <laughs> just slowly smiling and then boom. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the physics don't work out. Awesome. So speaking of the bomb, the B-83 thermonuclear bomb that is used in this movie weigh in real life approximately 2,400 pounds each. Yet we see characters in this movie carry them. We see them moved onto a service elevator. Well, Howie Long was on steroids. Yeah, <laughs> here you go. So it's just like, Christian Slater just carries one onto a service elevator. Yeah. It's 2,400 pounds. Yeah. But yeah. It's hey, just- anything's possible. Look what he did on a skateboard. Hey, Lucero. Anything else you want to mention for logic? Ah, what a movie I totally forgot about. And it doesn't get talked enough for how well, great of an action There you go. Movie. That is moving on to legacy. I mean, is that not the legacy of this movie? God. Underrated action movie. It gets lost oh, big time. in the shuffle because a year later, you've got Face Off. The Rock. You've got the disaster movies like yep. Armageddon. Twister. And Deep Impact and Twister and so on. So Broken Arrow is fucking awesome. It's so good. It's really, really great, but it's it just gets lost in the shuffle as far as like stacking up with these action movies it's every bit as good i would love to see the two hour cut and it holds up and it holds up exactly all right stick around for some plugs Cool sceners, thank you once again for checking out the podcast this week. And don't forget, if you guys missed an episode, check us out. Apple, Spotify, Podbean, and other podcast listening sites. And while you're there, like, comment, subscribe, rate, and follow. Hey, you leave us a five-star review on Apple, we choose it, you win a prize. It's just that easy. Also, check us out on Facebook and Instagram, YouTube, at Pool Scene Podcast. Also, TikTok. Yo, we're trendy, at Pool Scene Pod 1. And once again, guys, thank you from the bottom of our hearts. And now, back to Kevin. And coming around the stretch for the final time in Season 9, Final Lap Guy. Yeah, All right, I think we've probably got a, a few. I got a few things to talk about yeah, for I the got a final lap. Jim, right. you go ahead. I think I went first on everything. You go ahead and kick us off. All right, so like we did last week, our 12th Swim Meat Series episode, Super Size Me and McMemories, Coca-Cola is doing another special flavor inspired by McDonald's. Inspired by, because of all the collaborations they've had with like BTS, Travis Scott. So they are launching a special flavor that comes out July the 9th, inspired by the DJ known as Marshmallow. It's going to appear on Marshmallow's Twitch channel. And starting on July 25th, those who have gotten their hands on a can will be able to scan a QR code on the packaging to reach Coca-Cola's creation site there. And this is quoted, AI technology will transform their emotions while listening to Marshmallow's latest track into a personalized piece of digital 
art. This is fucking insane. What in the fuck what is the happening? Modern day Willy Wonka Coca Cola bullshit is this? Yeah, it's nuts. But yeah, that's. What if a- I'm jacking it to the new Mar- Marshmallow song? <laughs> They're gonna make me a sexy AI creation. Like we've talked about, the Starlight kind of had that like weird amber, like weird flavor. Same with Bites one. It's like pixels. They said they created a vibey blend of my favorite flavors in this all new mix. Marshmallow said in a statement. I want it to taste like marshmallow. That wouldn't that be great? Oh, marshmallow Coke. And for you guys trying to watch the calories, it also comes in a zero sugar variety. All right. So check that out, July. July the 9th. So first, I, I just got back from Washington, was in Washington for a week uh, on a work trip. The work side of things was kind of a bust. The sites were great. I went to Mount Rainier and we went to the, it was funny because we, our gas light kind of like came on when we got in. It takes 18, it's 18 miles driving through the park to get to the visitor center. The so we drove 18 miles. Like Jurassic to, Park. Drove, drove 18 miles to the top. Went to the top. There were kids sled riding, throwing snowballs, got some beautiful, like breathtaking pictures. And then we just tried to basically coast our way back down because the nearest gas I even asked the visitor center I was like is there any gas in the national park anywhere so Mount Rainier has the paradise side which is what we were on I think you got to go a couple hours around and you can go to the sunshine side and there's a kind of different different views from from each side but we went up the paradise side and then um, we kind of coasted down made it right out of town thank God for gravity yeah it was it was good so Mount Rainier is awesome Near Tacoma, there's a place called Renton. It's so weird because we parked the car and I was real nervous. There was just a parking lot. We parked the car and we go in. I'm like, this is free. There's no meters. There's no, like, nobody's going to charge us. Because now all these places have this modern parking where you have to, like, get a code and you pay it on your phone. And I'm like, this is so weird. So you were able to just park. You know, free parking lot is so weird. But there's all these, like, bars and restaurants and wrong time of year. But there will be seals and you can see whales and the sound and stuff. Oh, that's nice. We had some pizza, some drinks, and it was great. I liked Tacoma a lot. It was, I mean, it was fine. The funny thing is, first day we got there, we went to a golf outing. It was 73 degrees and sunny. Yeah. The next day, we get to the show, and everybody at the show is like, oh, my God, that was the nicest day of the year. That was beautiful. That was, like, such an incredible weather day. Like, we don't get too many of those. And I'm like, it was 73. (laughs) I mean, not that we live in, like, Miami. No. Or L.A., but, like, we get four seasons here. But in the summer, typically, it's in the 80s and 90s. I know to your detriment because you don't Uh, like it. But, like, it's 80s and 90s. So... When we're leaving on the airport, this lady was talking to us. I felt bad for her because they, she had like three flights canceled. Ooh. Her daughter was from Pacific Northwest playing in a basketball tournament in Cincinnati. Oh. And they were basically going to have to fly straight there and race from the airport to get her to Ooh. registration or out because if the whole, if you're not there for registration, you don't get to play. Yeah, you're done. So like, but she was telling us they don't have air conditioning in their houses and, and Washington listeners right. tell us if, if I'm wrong, but she said where they live, there is no air conditioning because the highest it ever gets is like the low seven. Yeah. You don't really need it. So you don't really need it. So they don't have AC. And I'm like, that's nuts. Cause she was like, it's been so hot and sunny that it sucks because we all wish we had air conditioning. And I'm like, it's 73, 73. Three is they think is hot, but it was it was just cool to see something else. But I, I wasn't. I mean, other than like Mount Rainier, which I really like, not a huge fan of. Yeah. You know, like I was kind of kind of homesick. I, I like going places that just look like like the first time I went to Vegas, it looks like fucking Mars. Yeah. You know, it is so different and unique from anything you've seen. So like going to Washington, I'm like it kind of looks like Youngstown. You know, it's like replace the maples and oaks with timber and with. 
pine trees and it's fucking gray all the time. It rains every day. And like, again, the mountains are beautiful and there's, there's definitely sights to see. There's got its benefits, but yeah, the work side of it was kind of bust. A lot of traveling because the way home had a three hour flight, a three hour layover, a three and a half hour flight. And you lost three hours in the time change. Yeah. So that day I came back was quite long. Oh, had to have been brutal. You probably slept like a champion though. Yeah. I slept like uh, 13 hours. Oh. The first night I was in my own bed, I slept like 13 hours. God, I wouldn't give the sleep like eight hours uninterrupted. And every flight, so four flights, every single one, 100% full. Oof. So not even like didn't luck out, like no one next to yeah. me or whatever. You know, we were 100% full on all four flights. I still haven't got on an airplane yet. Maybe one of these days. So I checked out the movie on Netflix that was directed by Joe Kaczynski, who did Top Gun Mav. He did this while everything was in lockdown. Spiderhead? Yeah. With Chris Hemsworth and our buddy Miles Teller, a.k.a. Rooster. It's an interesting movie. Takes place on a island where bad guys get put to do all these drug experiments and all that jazz. And there's a hell of a twist involved. It's an interesting movie. You guys might want to check it out. It's devoid of a lot of things. I think the writing could have been a lot better. But since it's Joe Kaczynski, I wanted to give it a shot. I think Chris Hemsworth in it is perfectly maniacal he does such a great american accent i give it a lot of credit miles teller was pretty good as well so if you guys want to check it out it's like an hour and like 50 minutes long which is unbelievably long it doesn't need to be that long but check it out not that bad of a movie spiderhead no spider-man can't in wait it. to see chris hemsworth as hulk hogan yeah that's gonna be um, interesting unfortunately chris hemsworth not in this next movie but it's a movie it will probably do a uh, a spoiler cast for and it's magic mike 3 yes so today i was reading the oral history of Magic Mike and like how it all came about and stuff. And it's it's pretty fascinating because in the time, like Steven Soderbergh was in retirement and he had shot, I don't remember which movie, but Channing Tatum was there. Yeah. And he was like, you know, just doing the niceties and saying, ah, what are you up to? What are you working on? And Channing Tatum's like, oh, I'm doing this, you know, male stripper movie about my life. And Steven Soderbergh's like, wait, what? Like <laughs> that needs to happen. Secretly, Channing Tatum really wanted Steven Soderbergh to do the yeah. movie, but he wasn't going to be like, why don't you direct the movie? And Steven Soderbergh didn't tell Channing Tatum, like, please, I want to do that movie. Sign me up. So then Steven Soderbergh, I don't know, like a couple months later, he's at some festival or something, probably promoting the movie that they're working on. And they ask him, they're like, so what'll get you out of retirement? And he says, the Channing Tatum stripper movie. <laughs> And so Channing Tatum's agent or whoever heard that and basically was like, yeah, like, let's let's do yeah. that. So he he goes to some hot dog place all the time. So you'll like, Hell yeah, that. my dude. And he's basically like, if you want to come to this hot dog place, we'll talk about it. So like they set up a meeting. They had some hot dogs. They talked about it. Steven Soderbergh agreed to do it. And it's just like they talk about all the extras who signed up and like they didn't know what they were signing up for. Like even like Matt Bomer had no idea what the movie was going to be like. They thought like their worst fear was showgirls. They were oh. like, we're going to end up being in the fucking male version of Showgirls. And then they were like, at best, we think it's probably going to be like, and they named something that also wasn't a good movie. And they were like, well, shit, this is crazy. So then the first one ends up being this legendary, like serious oh, yeah. movie. Great movie. The second one is this buddy, like road trip movie. Road trip movie. It's fucking awesome. I, Magic Mike 2, I love it. It's yeah. a great movie. So Magic Mike 3 has me a little worried. So the success of Magic Mike has spun off. And now it's like a live, like Broadway show where so Channing Tatum always said that like male strippers were never really into the women. They like made fun of them, wanted the money, blah, blah, blah. So 
so they made this show, this live show, sort of like Thunder from Down Under, Chippendale, something like that, to where these guys, it was a show where guys happened to take their clothes off and take their shirts off rather than being like, we're going to the naked yeah. guy show. They wanted to do more. So they, they launched this Magic Mike show in New York and probably Toronto and LA, wherever, Vegas, who knows. The new movie is actually going to be about, in the Magic Mike universe, their strip show has become a live show. All right. The Travels. Hmm. It's, they are listing it as saying the first movie was a serious drama. The second movie is a bro road trip. The third movie they're calling a romantic comedy. Oh, no. So I'm a little bit worried. Is Kevin Nash in it? I don't know. He better be. So the plot's based on them having a live stage show. There's 12 musical numbers, they said, because I'm a little worried they're going to turn it into like a musical, sort of. Oh, no. Because. No, no, no. They were saying like they're really against getting their bodies back and stuff for this movie, which tells me they're probably not going to be taking their clothes. Not that, you know, not yeah. that we care about that part, but like it, it scares me a little bit. So it is going to be a, a rom-com basically. I hope McConaughey comes back though. Cause then be you cool. can wrap that whole storyline cool, up. But I think they're not, I think they're going to go a totally different direction. So we'll see. I mean, I, I, I hope not. I mean, the second one went a different direction. And I it love it. Yeah, it was great. And then me and you got the concert coming up this weekend. It's going to yeah. be fun. Yeah, Saturday. We're going to uh, make a day of it. And yeah, Go see Toad the Wet Sprocket, the That's Jim it. Blossoms, <laughs> and Bare Naked Ladies. Minus the one guy. And then, unfortunately, hopefully down the road, we see Tim Capello, the saxophonist that we love from The Lost Boys, with his opening act. And I shit you not, everybody, this is the name of his opening act DJ Sex Nintendo. All right. I wonder what he plays. I hope it's 8 bit songs, because if not, beat him and eat him. <laughs> Custer's Revenge. Oh, that'd be great. So I sent you a photo, and maybe yesterday, fully intact vintage Burger King. Dude, this is all over the place Was now. found behind a wall at the Concord Mall in Wilmington, Delaware. I have so many questions. Surely, there gotta be people who remember that Burger King, right? Oh, they have to. They remember like, hey, remember, like, that'd be like us. Like, I worked there. Remember when we went to the mall and there's a Burger King inside of it? Yeah. But those people would surely also remember that it wasn't demolished. They just they're, put a wall up. probably like, oh, they put a Macy's there or whatever. So I'm assuming that the mall has probably changed ownership in the time since a wall was built, but there weren't like blueprints or anything to be like, wait a minute, what is this large void here where it's a wall and then a bunch of square footage? So as we discussed on our Super Size Me episode, wouldn't it be cool if Burger King just opened up there? Why not? You already have the infrastructure. As is. Just said, hey, you know what? We're going to open another Burger King there and just keep all the decor and stuff exactly the same. It'd be fucking awesome. I'm looking forward to one of like the mall guys on YouTube that finally just investigate this Burger King. You have to. It's like when we discovered the quote unquote secret wing at Shenango Valley Mall. It's really not much of a secret because you can enter it from the rear of the mall. Yeah. But it's frozen in time. It's interesting. It's just how do they build a wall over something rather than putting something else in its place? Seems like the cheapest, most easiest way to do something half-assed. I love it. I love that. I would love if they open up the wall and they notice that you get like the waft of like whoppers. (laughs) It's they kept the meat in the freezer and it's all expired. Flame broiled smell. Oh, God. Uh, It's kind of like discovering uh, like a tomb in Egypt. (laughs) The Burger King tomb. There's this big picture of the employee of the month, 1991. This is uh, Burger Kingham. Burger Kingham. Tootin' Cottom. King Burger Kingham. King Burger Kingham. (laughs) 
King Burger. <laughs> Love uh, King Burger. King Burger. So McDonald's had the um, Big Mac. No, the the kids, the vid the, kid, they yeah. had vid kid and wheels and yeah. chomps and what were their names? Burger King Kids Club. Yeah, Bur- BK Kids Club. Yeah. yeah, not enough. There wasn't a Nintendo game based on Burger King Kids Club. Yeah, sure as hell wasn't DJ Sex Nintendo yeah. at Burger King. What? <laughs> <laughs> Might have been. Yeah, true. I mean, he worked there. Yeah. So anything else you want to mention, Jim? Next season where we wrap up our best pictures of 1995. Yeah, so we'll go ahead. Uh, we're going to, we have two left. We're going to start the season with four weddings and a funeral, which I've not seen. <laughs> which is going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. I know Andy McDowell's in it because I just saw some. And Hugh Grant. I just saw some thing pop up that was like. They didn't want Andy McDowell or something. I don't know. Four weddings and a funeral to start the season. We're going to end the season with Forrest Gump. And then following Forrest Gump in between season 10 and 11, we are going to do our 1994 Oscar awards redo. Which is awesome because we started this all the way back in season seven. Yeah. So it's going to be a nice one of those movies each season. And then uh, in the in-between of those two, so though. In between, we're going to do wow. We're going to do bangers. We're going to do all movies that we've had on our short list that we've Since it's the creation of this yeah, podcast that we're going to do and, and never got to. We're going to do eight of those. Oh, it's so good. In between. It'll be, it'll be good. I don't, I don't know where I think we still got to finalize what that list is yeah. going to be, but it's going to be good. So until then, until four weddings and a funeral, silencia. <laughs>